Episode 3, The USMCA and the Impact of NAFTA. Hello and welcome to NAFTA, a non-comprehensive overview, a podcast where I, Danny, research and relay the details of the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA for short, from start to end. We've already talked about why the trade deal was signed, what its contents were, and why it got scrapped into the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement. Now we're going to look at what stipulations are included in that new trade agreement and then discuss the pros and cons of NAFTA. We'll start with the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, or the USMCA. In the last episode, we talked about how the Trump administration wanted to replace NAFTA because it did not prioritize American workers, and the USMCA was the trade deal negotiated under his presidency that's still in effect today. The USMCA is largely a modernized version of NAFTA, mostly maintaining or updating the same provisions that were already included in NAFTA. There were a few notable changes from its predecessor, though. Firstly, the USMCA gives the U.S. unrestricted access to 3.6% of Canada's $15 billion dairy industry. This is recycled from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a much more expansive trade agreement that Trump withdrew from. This was a compromise made by Canada to eliminate pricing restrictions on dairy products but still keep its supply management system in place, which is a domestic agricultural framework that allows Canada to control the production and costs of dairy, poultry, and eggs. Canada also agreed to increase the consumer limit on access to American goods when shopping. Perhaps the most contentious changes made in negotiations are those which concern the automotive industry. When NAFTA was in place, the rule was that a passenger vehicle crossing international borders in North America must contain at least 62.5% North American products to pass customs free. The USMCA tightened the borders, increasing that number up to 75%. This means that the three countries must source more components from within the region and ensure that other materials used in production come from Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Additionally, a new labor requirement was added saying that auto exports must have at least 40 to 45% of their auto content made by workers earning at least $16 per hour. This is clearly aimed at moving production outside of Mexico, which has become a larger link in the North American auto supply chain. Another labor regulation was made so that Mexico had to put in place standards to improve collective bargaining capabilities of labor unions. These sections of the deal were particularly controversial because under NAFTA, the three participating countries were very explicitly not allowed to make laws regulating labor internationally. Chapter 33 of the deal covers macroeconomic policies and exchange rate. This is significant because these things are much more general, so regulating them is a lot trickier and has more gray area. Finally, the USMCA has added a sunset clause, which stipulates that the agreement must be reviewed every six years and will go out of effect after 16 years unless extended. Now we'll move on to our next topic of discussion. What was the impact of NAFTA? Was it good or bad? First, let's take a look at pro-arguments. It's pretty difficult to dispute that NAFTA generated economic growth. Total merchandise trade between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada more than tripled while it was in effect. Trade between the U.S. and Canada doubled, while trade between Canada and Mexico increased eightfold. 
One key economic impact of NAFTA was the fact that regional supply chains were established as a result of it. NAFTA provided opportunity and incentive for producers to reorganize manufacturing in a way that benefited regional trade, so supply chains have become integrated across North America. In Mexico, maquiladoras, which are production plants that take imported components and use them to make goods for export, increase their income by about 15.5%. Many metropolitan areas underwent rapid growth after NAFTA's implementation. Furthermore, NAFTA prevented a prolonged recession in Mexico in 1994. Mexico's economy was already experiencing an economic slowdown because of the peso crisis, which was the sudden devaluation of the Mexican peso against the U.S. dollar, causing a severe recession and poverty increase. NAFTA was able to help Mexico recover from it much more quickly than they would otherwise have been able to because it allowed exports to remain stable, boosted investor confidence, and gave the U.S. an incentive to bail Mexico out of the crisis because of their closer trade ties. Had the U.S. not bailed Mexico out, the peso crisis may have spilled over to the rest of North and Latin America. Most economists also agree that NAFTA was a net benefit for the American economy because of increases in agricultural output and massive increases in foreign direct investment stock. Counterarguments here are that economic growth may have happened while NAFTA was in place, but that we would have seen far more of it absent NAFTA, particularly in the case of Mexico, which would have had more time to acclimatize to freer trade with regulations. Moreover, some may claim that it doesn't really matter that economic performance was high because standards of living did not rise accordingly. Another argument is that while foreign investment in Mexico did increase, it wasn't necessarily a good thing because much of that was volatile investment, which actually put them at higher risk of recession. Lastly, you could argue that the U.S. would have bailed Mexico out regardless of whether or not NAFTA was in place to prevent instability on its border. And besides, the peso crisis only happened because of capital flight caused by a dependence on foreign investment, which would not have existed absent NAFTA. Now we're going to look at some of the negative impacts. While it's generally agreed that NAFTA brought about higher rates of trade and investment, this had little impact on standards of living in any of the three countries. In fact, because of the trade deficit in the U.S., many manufacturing jobs were sent over to Mexico, resulting in about 850,000 displaced American workers. Most criticisms of NAFTA focus on the effects it had on Mexico. Prior to NAFTA, Mexico was en route to sustainable development. From 1960 to 1980, Mexico's GDP per capita doubled with its use of social programs and domestic enterprise. Had Mexico continued at this rate, it would be on par with developed countries like those in Western Europe. At the time, Mexico was using a gradual approach to opening its economy up to foreign trade and investment, and even after the 1982 debt crisis plunged Mexico into disaster and poverty, Mexico was able to make a slow recovery through small steps toward liberalization. Once NAFTA was put in place, though, this liberalization was sped up rapidly, giving Mexico little chance to adjust to the changes being made to its economy and no provisions included in the agreement to protect domestic industry and enterprise. This brought Mexico's development to a halt, leading to the inequality and high poverty rates that we see today. 
Moreover, with fewer regulations on trade, the United States was able to sue the Mexican government if policies were made that interfered with corporations, meaning that Mexico was essentially blackmailed out of reforming their trading model. The U.S. was also able to control the market in Mexico, allowing larger chain American businesses like Walmart to wipe out smaller domestic businesses. The most glaring example of this is in the agricultural sector, where scores of Mexican farmers were displaced because of American monopolies. Finally, many believe that NAFTA forced Mexico to become dependent on the American economy, which means that when any recession happens in the region, it hits Mexico harder because of their dense trade linkages with the U.S. Some responses to these arguments are that Mexico's development prior to NAFTA was unsustainable anyway. Otherwise, they would not have experienced a major debt crisis in the early 80s. This means that NAFTA, rather than being the reason for Mexico's slowing of growth, was a necessary move away from the protectionist trading policies that had gotten Mexico into such a crisis in the first place. In fact, it would have been difficult to sustain growth seen in the 90s without NAFTA because President Salinas faced opposition during his presidency and needed the efforts of NAFTA to lock in the momentum of trade liberalization. It's also worth noting that smaller businesses going bankrupt cannot solely be blamed on American industry taking over because there was already a severe lack of small business credits, which President Nieto successfully reinstated while in office. Most importantly, the rise of unemployment in the agricultural sector could have been prevented under NAFTA, as the agreement provided tariffs for Mexico to use specifically on agriculture, but they just chose not to use them, meaning this was not a failure of NAFTA, but of the Mexican government. Furthermore, even if this was a result of NAFTA, it is not necessarily a bad thing because it means that food prices in Mexico have gone down. This is the case because Mexican farmers wouldn't be losing their jobs if they could still earn wages as high as those of American farmers. So yes, Mexican farmers may lose their jobs, but this actually benefits the much larger majority of the Mexican population that's living in poverty. Finally, Mexico has trade agreements with 45 other countries in the world, so they would still be hit hard by recessions due to their trade ties with other countries, even if it wasn't for those forged with the U.S. by NAFTA. In conclusion, the North American Free Trade Agreement was a mixed bag in terms of what effects it had on its participating countries, but on net, it caused measurable economic growth that failed to materialize in the everyday lives of most citizens. That wraps up the podcast, NAFTA, a non-comprehensive overview. Thank you for listening.